Right. So I think the connection to that is you always have to think about what's in it for the other person that you're, you're working with, whether it's someone who's going to come to your fundraiser and donate a lot of money, or whether it's, you know, someone that's going to do business with you and buy something, buy a product or service. It's always thinking about what's in it for them. And with the, with the Ukrainian fundraiser, we're at the end of the day from that fundraiser, we raised $650,000 directly. And then another 550,000 in related offshoots. So it's about 1.2 million altogether. And there's nothing in there for people. At least that's what you might think at first. Like, well, they're not going to get any money from it. No, I'm asking you for money. You're not getting money. You're going to give me money. And what's in it for them, though, is an emotional payoff. You know, it's it's like when they think about it, why would they want to to give money to some guy who's not even from Ukraine, isn't Ukrainian, doesn't speak Ukrainian, don't even have Ukrainian relatives. I don't know anything. So the question is, why would they want to give me their hard-earned money? And you know, why would they trust me? And then what are they getting out of it? And I can tell you what they're getting out of it generally is, is they're getting a feel good emotion. You know, I'm sure it's some neurochemical brain thing. They're getting a dopamine hit or something. I don't know. They're getting something, but basically if you boil it down, they're going to feel good and feel like they did something. And my own personal story on that, and I'll just share with you why I did it at all. When I was growing up, I would read and hear about the, the Holocaust. And, you know, it always really bothered me. I'm like, well, if I were around back then, would I have done something? And I was like, I hope I would have done something. Maybe I would have had a fantasy. I would have assassinated Hitler. Maybe that would have been it. Or, you know, done something, hid some people, you know, got him out of the country, did something. I hoped I would have done something. And I often wondered if I actually would. And then when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I was like, this is a chance for me to take those little daydreams and do something about it. And, you know, I'm not going to go assassinate Vladimir Putin. I don't think that's within my skill set or, or anything I do, but I could, I could maybe save some people. And so I started thinking about it and talking to friends about it and think, what could I do? And then I realized, you know, you needed to get people off of the front lines, meaning, you know, civilians away from those cities that were, that were by the front lines. And as I was asking people, I was hearing that, oh, they're having trouble getting transportation. They're having trouble, you know, just getting, you know, physically transported. So I said, all right, there's something we could do, like actually transport, you know, men, women, children, dogs, cats, all those things in life we have and help people get out of, of harm's way. And as I started talking to people about it, they started getting very enrolled and excited about it. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I want to be a part of it. What are you going to do? And so I thought, you know, I could just put together like a dinner and, you know, bring all the people I know and see if they'll contribute. And we, we priced the dinner at $175 per person, um, which was a little bit of fundraising. I think we got, we got a little under 200 people at the event. Um, so I think from, from just that initial money, it was about maybe 20 or $30,000 that we made. It wasn't much, just 20 or 30,000, but it was still, you know, positive. What was interesting, as I started talking to people and telling them and sharing my vision of wanting to help people, people started wanting to, you know, they got enrolled and wanted to contribute themselves. Like they wanted to find some way to help. Now, some people came, like one guy owned a media company. So he said, I have a film crew that I can send over to, to Poland to where they're actually doing the refugee relief and receiving the refugees and helping them. And I could send a film crew, you know, to go and, and meet with some refugees, meet with the people that are running the center 
would you like that? I'm like, yes, I would like that. You know, can you do it in four days basically? And he said, sure, no problem. I'll do that. And then we talked to the local Ritz hotel, which is, I live in a community that's a Ritz um, reserve, Ritz Carlton reserve. So there's a Ritz hotel on our property. We talked to them and the lady's like, oh, we'll do it. We're in. And, you know, we have a budget for charitable things and I'll give you the room for free. We'll give you everything it costs and we'll do everything we can to make this happen for you. And I said, that's amazing because I didn't even ask. Like they were so enrolled that she just offered not to do it. And, you know, it's that that got done. And, you know, I started just talking to people and enrolling them in the vision. And I think that whatever you're doing, whether it's a Ukrainian relief like like I did or your business thing, you want to enroll people in your vision. And, and what do people want to know? They want to know, you know, what are you doing? They want to know why are you doing it? Like, what is it that, you know, gets you interested in doing this? So I shared my silly story about, you know, growing up, I had hoped I would have done something. And, you know, maybe I would have tried to assassinate Hitler. I don't watch too many James Bond movies, apparently. But, but uh, people got enrolled and then they start wanting to do things. And so when we did the fundraiser, what ended up happening was I, I partnered up with uh, Jesuit Refugee Services, which is Je the Jesuits are a Catholic order of priests. They're known for teaching. I happened to know the, the president of our local um, high school. I'm, I'm a product of Jesuit schools. I went to Jesuit high school. So I donated some money there and I knew the guy. So I called him up and said, Hey, Father Tim, you know, I'm doing this thing. Do you know of anybody that like, do you guys do anything with helping refugees? And he said, Oh yeah, we have this Jesuit refugee services and we have a big project going on in Poland where we're receiving refugees. We're giving them help getting papers. And a lot of times they lose their papers at, at, places where they're stopped and basically mugged for everything that they have. He said, so we can help them get papers, get psychological counseling, get them some money to get started and get them onto their next place, wherever that is. And I said, great, but, you know, can I work with you? And of course they were glad to get money because that's all it was in it for them. I wasn't asking or looking for anything else. Um, so I was able to tell my attendees that I'm not going to touch any of your money. Like the only money I touched was the money you paid for dinner because I have to pay for dinner. But other than that, every penny you give goes directly to Jesuit Refugee Services. And here's the link that you can go to donate. Like, it's not to Bob Diamond. It's to Jesuit Refugee Services, which is great for me. I didn't have to worry about even touching a penny of it, which was wonderful. Um, and, you know, I would say the keys to success with that was it was something I really deeply cared about. Like, I was very engaged and and like helping people just for no reason other than that you know, that feeling or that fulfillment of my wish from when I was younger to be helpful. So, you know, that was my fulfillment. And then whenever you're kind of selling people on an idea, whether again, it's your business idea or this charitable idea I had, you always have to think what's in it for them. And I tried to enroll people on vision. You know, what if you helped someone get out who was then alive because you helped them or helped a family get onto safety? And you know, people got very enrolled in that and they get a good feeling from that. And the feeling, you know, feelings are worth more than money to a lot of people. I think if we look at what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, we do a lot more based on how we feel than, than what we think. You know, it's like you do it because you're passionate about it. And, you know, if you think about what you might have done when you're first in a romantic relationship, if you have a, if you're married or have a partner, think of all those things that you did, not because there was money, but because you had a feeling. And that's why we do things is because of feelings. So, you know, that's your payoff for people. 
And when we did the event, I was absolutely shocked at what the checks people were writing. I had one guy, he literally writes on his, his donation paper, you know, call me. And so I call him up, his name's Bob. And I said, Hey Bob, I'm just calling you to see what you, you know, you wrote, call me. He said, you know, I know that they need to get people from Kiev to, to Krakow. And he said, I want to buy a bus. And I said, you want to buy a bus? And I say, you mean like a big tour bus? He said, yeah, I want to buy a tour bus and give it to them to trans to trans transport people. And I'm like, I said, you know, let me see if they want a bus. So I'll go talk to them. So I called the priest up and they said, look, we don't want a bus. But what we do want is for $1,300 a day, we it's actually just under that, a little under $1,300 a day, we can hire tour buses that are otherwise not being used to drive back and forth from Kiev to Krakow and get them into our facility. And it'd be really helpful. So what ended up happening was we, at the end of the day, contracted for 13 buses running back and forth from Kiev to Krakow every day. We ended up moving 37,000 people from Ukraine to Poland. And people got so engaged that a, a, a guy, an acquaintance showed up from where I live and he said, hey, I just struck this deal with Airbnb where they'll give any refugees anywhere in the country, I'm saying not, they'll give any refugees in Ukraine 30 days free in an Airbnb anywhere in the world. And so he said, would you like to work with me? And I said, yeah, I think that sounds great to me. So we would get, we got these 37,000 people out and they then had the opportunity to have 30, 30 days of free housing anywhere in the world to help them get restarted. So whether they went to New York City or they went to Chicago or they went to Israel or wherever they went, they could get 30 days free, you know, free housing to get their feet on the ground. And, you know, I don't have any idea, like zero idea how many lives were saved. Who knows? What I can tell you was a lot that I can tell you for sure. It was a lot. And to me, that's like, what a payoff. Like, that's my own, my own personal payoff. Because people would ask me, like, why are you doing this? I was like, well, because I want to do it. They're like, well, are you keeping the money from this, that? I'm like, I'm not keeping a penny. Like, the zero, like, every penny is, that's coming in for, like, tickets is going out. And, you know, it actually ended up costing me a few dollars. Not a big deal. But, you know, it wasn't about the money. But the payoff that I got, that thing knowing that, you know, my time here on Earth, that was one of the things that I accomplished getting, you know, 37,000 people just out of this crazy idea that I had to run a fundraiser in Ukraine. That's meaningful. And, you know, the other thing I would say to, to anybody who's watching this, if you have an idea that you're really drawn towards, just share it with people in a way that enrolls them, like why you're doing it, what you see the benefits of it are. And people will magically show up in your life. That That's just... I, you know, I can't even explain how that happens. I'm not particularly woo-woo. Like I didn't read or watch The Secret when it came out. I don't know if it was a book or a movie, whatever else. I That's not, I'm not that woo-woo. Not to criticize anybody who is. It's great if you are, but that's just not me. Um, but I can tell you my experience when I came up with this idea was that that's what actually happened. People just showed up and they contributed. And the other thing that I'll share with you that surprised me that I even did it and it'll surprise you the whole thing was done in 10 days from conception to execution. So I thought of it 10 days later, we had a, a fundraiser with 175, I'm sorry, 200 people at the event writing checks. We had 25 things for a silent auction that people could auction off. And, you know, we raised over $600,000 at that one night. 
And then people got so enrolled that I had two people are torturing and say, hey, I want to run a fundraiser too. Could you help me? And one of them was a guy who had a, he's a very well-heeled mass torts lawyer. So he's one of those guys you see on TV, like, you know, have you been injured? Blah, blah, blah. He's one of those guys. So he said, I have, I have like 90 people coming over to my house on Saturday. Could you run a fundraiser there? And I was like, let me see, 90 rich people who are friends <laughs> with rich mass torts attorney. Yes, I will be there. And I, I dragged the priest, Father Tim, over and said, hey, could you come and, you know, we'll talk to these people and, and do our, our show again. And he's like, I'm in. And we did that. And then another guy showed up who is officially my craziest neighbor. So there's a guy named Hank who um, is a private equity guy. He's probably 55 or 60. And Hank comes up to me and says, hey, I, I've been doing this project I want to tell you about. Maybe you can help me out. He said, I, I hired a couple of mercenaries and I bought a couple of armored Jeeps and we're doing extractions in Ukraine. <laughs> so, so my crazy friend Hank in his mid-50s is going off unknown to me or anybody else in the community with his bulletproof vest and the mercenaries he had hired and going into the most difficult places with a couple of Land Rovers, loading up the Land Rovers with people and driving them back. And so what we ended up doing with Hank is we did a, uh, a fundraiser for him. We brought in the mercenaries by Skype in the, in the middle of the night in Ukraine with like shots being fired in the background and like you could see explosions. And so these mercenaries like, oh, we can't stay long, mate. I'm like, no, you go. Don't get blown up. But we actually had them telling their stories and we ended up buying a couple extra Jeeps and things like that. So, and that, and what the way the groups work together. So Hank would get people to Kiev where we couldn't take, you know, tour bus can't go to like Kherson where they're having like actual like strafing. You can't bring a tour bus. They're way too slow. So anyway, they, Hank would bring people to Kiev who then would hop on our buses, which were free to all the refugees and then get to Krakow. So at the end of the day, that's how that, that, that worked. And I would just say, if you have something that really calls to you and you know, when you start talking to people, they start getting interested and intrigued, you can do it and have faith that the people will show up. Now, maybe not try it in 10 days. That was probably a little nut, but it was important. You know, for me that, that was when the war was first beginning. I was like, these people don't have 45 days or 60 days or 90 days for me to plan a beautiful fundraiser. I'm like, I'm going out and just doing it. And if it falls flat in its face, it falls flat in its face. It's whatever. And I actually have my wife doing one of those wifely things. My wife is super supportive. She's wonderful. But I said I wanted to do this. She's like, when? I was like, next week. Like, and <laughs> she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, next week would be good. Cause it's like a Monday. And I'm like, like Friday, maybe? And she's like, you're crazy. And I said, yeah, we're going to raise a million dollars. And she said, don't tell anybody that because you look like an idiot because that's not going to happen. And I said, no, it's going to happen. And so I went to the fundraiser and actually told them, I stood up in front of like all my friends and people who barely knew me and said, we're going to raise a million dollars here tonight. <laughs> and we didn't, we raised, I think it was, if I remember the math, 690 the first night, but then with the two follow-ons over the next two weeks, it was 1.2 million. So I exceeded. And it was also really cool. One of the other just really cool things about it. So I was able to, to send a, a, of like a, a report out to everybody that had contributed to tell them what they had been a part of. 
And when we got the final numbers in, which took almost eight months for 37,000 people, but when we got that number in, I was able to share that with them. And it made people feel really good. Like if you think about it, if you contributed, whether it's just a ticket for the fundraiser or some, some money beyond that, to know that you are a part of that is a huge payoff for people, huge emotional payoff. And you know that I would also have to say that the Ukraine fundraiser is one of the things I'm most proud of in my life. Like the things that I accomplished, it was in a lot of ways a culmination of like my ability to communicate with people, to enroll them. You know, it's it's training as a lawyer, it's training in, in selling things. It's that's really just those are exercises in enrolling people. Like if I'm in front of a jury, I've got to enroll them in my client's side of the story. If it's a judge, I got to enroll the judge in my side of the story. If it's the fund, if you're convincing anybody of anything, I want to raise money for your project. You need to enroll people in the value behind what you're doing, why people want to buy the product or service, why this is just a great thing to get involved with. Um, and, you know, great things are not, oh, this has been my dream for a long time and I feel passionate about the I, I, I. No, it's not that. I barely belongs. I belongs in sharing your story. Like if I'm telling why am I doing a Ukraine fundraiser, it's it's ultimately because I feel compelled to help other people. And if you're you know, in line with that, let's do it together. But that's as much as I involved is involved with anything. It's not, you're not interesting. You know, I'm not interesting. I'm interesting to the degree. I think that I'm helping other people that I'm contributing to the world, that I give someone an opportunity to maybe make a profitable investment or in the Ukraine fundraiser, get a great emotional payoff. That's, that's where, where you want to push. And the other thing I would say, and this goes for all business and, and certainly the fundraiser, don't be afraid. You know, fear has killed more dreams and more would have been successes than anything else in the world. It's possible that you'll do something, you'll fall flat on your face, you'll feel very foolish. Some people will laugh at you. It's possible. But I can also tell you that what tends to happen from a failure is a whole lot of learning. And your first thing may very well be a failure. But what's not a failure is the learning that you get from it. That's definitely not a failure, for, for sure. A lot of times people, and you talk to successful business people, like, oh, yeah, I tried these couple of things, didn't really work, but I got this connection or I got this new idea or I got a piece of advice or I found a mentor who helped me out and now I'm you know, flying private jets around or whatever they're doing. Now they're very successful. I, I don't, I don't, I've never met anybody, I'm sure they exist, but I've met anybody who the first thing they thought of that they went out and did, they were successful and are now you know, like rolling in the money. It's just not the way it is. And I found that for people who are less successful, they, they're so afraid of the failure that they, they just fail to launch or fail to do anything. And it really is deadly to whatever dream you have. You have to just get out there and try it. And I promise that if it's not a big success, it'll probably be at least a little success. And even if it's not that, it will be a great learning experience. And I've also found that when you're looking for mentors, your mentor tends to show up when you're actually doing something in inaction, meaning you're acting, you're in inaction. Um, when people aren't doing anything, when you ask someone for help, but you've done nothing, it's really tough to get help. Really, really tough. And, and you're just, you're like pushing a string uphill. It's that hard. It's just not, it just doesn't work. But when people see you doing something, especially if they see you making a mistake, but acting, they may say to you, Hey, you know, I just want to tell you, Susie, I love what you're doing. I think you're doing great, but you're doing this thing that I think isn't going to work. And here's a better way, or here's a resource, or here's something I could show you how to do that would help you and go faster. 
that's when you get your help and you're not pushing a string uphill. At that point, someone is pulling on the string to pull you up the hill, but they only get engaged and do it when they see you acting. Because I can tell you as someone who does mentor people, there's nothing more aggravating than helping someone who isn't ready for the help or won't do anything with it. Because the one thing that I don't have the ability of making in life is more time. I can make more money, but I can't make more time, not even a second of it. So, you know, I, I don't want my time wasted and, and successful people don't want to waste their time on people that aren't going to do anything. It's okay if you, if you fall flat on your face. That's not really a problem. Um, what's not okay is not doing anything because that's going to get people unenrolled. Um, and I, I have to say for the Ukraine fundraiser, the most interesting thing to me was how people just jumped on board when I shared what I wanted to do. And all I wanted to do was help people. I didn't, you know, there was nothing in it for me other than my own good, happy feelings, which I promise you were a huge payoff. It was like worth a million dollars. It was amazing. And, you know, I have a story for my life. I set an example for my son. You know, I brought my, my son to the fundraiser and he got to see, you know, this thing from conception to happening. Um, and what I'll do since I'm recording this, I can't do it. We'll put up a couple of pictures of the fundraiser so that you can see what it looked like. Um, you can see it's very beautiful. It's absolutely spectacular. I didn't even have time because there's so little time to to plan this thing. So we said to the the event manager at the Ritz, you know, we want it. Here's what it is. It's a Ukraine fundraiser. She said, well, tell me about what you'd like it to look like. And I said, beautiful. <laughs> That's what I said. And I said, just off the top of my head, I said, you know, the Ukraine flag is blue and gold. Maybe you could do something with blue and gold theme. And she said, yeah. And she said, you know, usually like a lot of detail. And I said, we're doing this fundraiser and at that point, less than a week. And I know you guys are amazing at what you do. Could you just do it? And I said, I promise we'll love it because you're great at what you do. And, you know, just please make it beautiful. And as you see, they made it spectacular. And, you know, that again is the enrollment part, because why did she do that? I mean, she's gone on a little bit of a limb, right? Because that be, could be a miserable, ungrateful client if, if it didn't look beautiful. But she was so enrolled with being a part of this. And the hotel, you know, the management was so enrolled with being a part of it. Because think about it. They did the whole thing at cost with free, free use of the room. Now, normally, for the space we used, it would have been a $5,000 rental fee for the lawn in the front and then $5,000 for the building. Free. Absolutely free. Um, the food would have cost three times as much because, you know, there's margin in there. No, they did it for for flat cost. So there's not really much in it for them in a way, you know, they're not like, it's not a big payday where they're going to want to take any chances. But again, it's about enrolling people in your vision. And when you think about that, the major things, and not to repeat myself too much, but the major things are get something someone get, can get emotionally involved with, like helping save the life of a family getting out of, of a war zone. You know, it's that that's going to get you the thing. It's get them their payoff. And if you're talking about, you know, just shift gears for a second, if you're talking about a financial investment, you want to talk about the payoff to them. That's what it is. You know, it's, it's not about you. It's not about, I've worked 18 years on this idea. Oh, whatever. I'm already asleep when you're talking about that. What they want to know is what's in it for them. You know, are they going to make a lot of money? Are they going to bring out some world changing technology? What is it that's in it for them? And if it's a financial investment, it needs to be financially oriented. And I would say, especially today, more so than a couple of years ago, today, you know, capital is not just running around being thrown at any old project. People want to know that you have a plan to make revenue. 
a plan to make profit and that you don't just have a, a giant black hole that you'll throw money into just because you can somehow get launched and 10 years later, maybe make a dollar. This is not that time right now. It's a time now when you want a clear path to profitability, a path to having a real business. People want to see that. So, so make sure that you're setting that out. And it's all about what's in it for them at the end of the day. And it doesn't matter whether it's charitable, emotional payoff, or it doesn't matter if it's, it's financial, then it's just a financial payoff. But you want to do that. And the other thing I would just share with you, and I think this may seem silly because I'm talking to you and you know we don't know one another. Um, what I would say to you is you are enough. If you have the idea and you have the passion for it, you are enough. That's what you need. It doesn't matter whether your English is perfect or not. It doesn't matter whether you have a certain degree or not. Um, what matters is that you're passionate about it and that it's a worthwhile project that other people can see. There are so many imperfect, incomplete people who have amazing, phenomenally successful lives. You know, I know lots of them. And not to criticize any of my neighbors, but I live in a place where there are just hordes and hordes, meaning hundreds and hundreds of self-made people with very successful businesses, lots of them with private jets, lots of them flying in helicopters in and out of here, like amazingly successful people. And I can just tell you, they are regular people. They have flaws. You know, they don't all look like supermodels and, and have you know, perfect lives. Not at all. They're like an ordinary looking group of people. What's extraordinary about them is they, they had the courage to go out and try. And when they failed, they picked themselves up and they said, what did I learn from that? And they went on to the next thing and they didn't let their fear hold them back. And I can promise you there were lots of setbacks in those people's lives. And I've talked to many of them. There were lots of setbacks. There are bankruptcies, there are business failures, there, there are nights when, you know, just nights of despair when you can't re meet payroll. There are nights when you have to shut down the whole company because, you know, you can't pay your bills and you have that embarrassment and humiliation. Those things happen, but the successful people, you know, wake up from that and they say, all right, what did I do that didn't work? What did I do that did work? What did I learn and how can I move forward? And by the way, most of the things that you think about that you think are going to happen, like your worst case scenario, absolutely never happen. That's like, that's not the stuff that, that you really need to, to realistically think is going to happen. You just need to go out there and, and start doing things and you know, be careful, meaning careful in the sense, don't, don't take silly risks. But do take the risks of going and doing things. And you can enroll people, I promise. You don't have to have a certain degree. You don't have to have gone to you know, an Ivy League school. You can be phenomenally successful at any of that. And what's mostly going to determine it, whether you're successful or not, it's just that you went out and did it. That you didn't sit there and dream. You didn't sit there and scheme. You actually sat down and took action, even imperfect action. You just took it. And... The other thing that I do, and this is just a, one of my thought processes, I think of lots of new things to do. It's an entrepreneur's disease. I'm always thinking of new business ideas and things to do. What I usually do with them is I talk to my, my wife and my close associates that I, and friends that I think a lot of. And I say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? It's just an idea. And they'll give me the feedback. And I don't usually do anything for at least two or three months because sometimes within two or three months, I've just lost interest in it. Like, it's just not, not really that passionate about it. Just seemed like something that was a good idea at the time, or I thought, oh, that could make a lot of money. That would be great. But I'm not actually passionate about it. So if I lose interest in two or three months, I don't do anything with it. I also listen to my, you know, my wife and my friends and 
and people that are successful. And I just get their feedback. I try not to be defensive about it. I actually listen to it, process it, get their input. And a lot of times, by the way, I don't even ask for advice. I just say, hey, could I just get your opinion on something I'm thinking about? Because that's a low commitment on their part. They're not like obligating themselves to anything, just getting their opinion. And then I just listen. And, you know, I don't take that as, as like the gospel. Like I, sometimes I, I ignore what people say. Sometimes I adopt it. A lot of times it causes me to transform my thinking, maybe come up with a better idea or maybe drop something entirely if it's a bad idea. Um, but the other thing that happens when you do that, if you sort of talk to your, your own you know, network of connections, that's when people will say to you, oh, I have a friend that's doing that. I got to introduce you. And resources start showing up. And when resources start showing up in a steady way, that's probably a sign to go do something with it, which actually reminds me of another thing that I want to share with you while I'm thinking of it. If it's too hard, drop it. So I have this experience in life that's, that's happened to me repeatedly where I force something into fruition. Like I just bug people, I follow up endlessly, and I just make something happen. And I turn heaven and earth over to make it happen. And my experience of that is at the end, I wish I hadn't. You know, it's a project that doesn't work or it's a project that was a lot of work for almost no return or a negative return or I lose money on it. And again, I'm not a particularly woo-woo guy, you know, but I think it is like a sign of the universe. If it's too hard and too difficult, that's not a good sign. That's a bad sign. That's a sign that maybe it's something you shouldn't do because you're not going to get the support for it that you need. And again, if we go back to the concept of enrolling people in your idea, when you're having to force people to do something or, or just talk to people to talk them into it for a long time, it's not enrolling people. And you'll find when you're trying to say market it, that it's hard because you don't have that much of people's attention where you can explain something for a long time. Um, people have so much information coming at them that something needs to occur to them as a big benefit as soon as they see it. Like they need to see a sentence or two like, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more. Or that's interesting. I want it. It really has to be that simple. And when you're having to explain it too much, it's not, and you're going to have trouble marketing it. So, But my bottom line experience is if something's too hard, really consider whether you should be doing it at all because it's probably a sign that it's not a great idea. So just just leave it at that. And I've had that experience over and over and over again because one of the aspects of my personality that I think is defining for me is I'm really determined. Like I'm not like I'm not a particularly large guy. I'm like 5'9", probably standing up straight. I'm 5'9", not standing straight, 5'8". Um, but I was you know successful in like ice hockey when I was a little kid. Not that I was a big kid, I wasn't, but I was successful because I just was so determined. I was like a little woodpecker. I just going at it, going at it, going at it. And that was how I learned to be successful in life. You know, things didn't come that easily, but I could, I could work really hard and get things. And I took that and when I applied it in business, it has its good parts. I stick to things to completion, but it also has its bad parts that you, know, you can force things. And I would just say, if, if you find that that's part of your personality, you can be forceful or you're finding that you have to force something too much, just be really thoughtful about whether it's anything you should be doing right now, because it's probably a sign you shouldn't. Um, and that's about what I have to say for today. And, and what I would say to you about this in general, if you have more questions or you have ideas that you're thinking of, put them in the comments. I can't promise I'll look at everyone and comment on it, but, but I will from time to time. I'll have my folks look in from time to time and comment on things. And also, if it's, if it's something that comes up or that I think is interesting, I'll be happy to do more content on it. So I'm happy to you know, do other episodes 
because I'd like to give you things that that you find of high value. And and again, my success in life is basically finding things that other people need and fulfilling it. So if you have questions that you know you think I could answer or you think I'd have some good input, whether it's a business idea, whether it's hey, I'm thinking of doing a fundraiser for this other thing that's going on, I'm happy to give you my two cents, happy to give you whatever benefit I can give you from my experience. Um, I've had lots of things that have worked. I've had lots of things that haven't worked. And I'm happy to just share my experience to help you get ahead faster and avoid you know, some of the traps that are out there that may not be obvious if you're new to something, but for someone who's done it a couple of times, we know where the footfalls are. So I'm happy to share what I can with you. So please do you know, put in any comments, um, anything you want more depth on is great. And uh, I do, if you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe and you'll get notice of, of more episodes and love to just continue the conversation. And please do put things in there if you, if you want more content or have questions or comments. Love to see them and we'll talk soon.